0: It's so great to see you all here online, on site. Uh, those who here haven't maybe seen in a while, maybe are just coming back on site, it is so good to have you here. And I am so excited to bring the message today. If you have your Bibles, you wanna to turn to John chapter seven. John chapter seven. You're wondering where the gospel of John is. It's in the New Testament, the fourth book of the New Testament. And we're gonna be looking at it in just a second. But let me tell you, this month, these past few weeks and into the weeks to come, we're doing a series here at Thrive called Find Your Life Again. And the reason why we call the series Find Your Life Again is because maybe over the past two years of this pandemic, you've found that you have lost something in life. Maybe you've lost a relationship. Maybe you've lost some hope about the future. Maybe you've lost your direction. You're not really sure where you're going in life anymore. Maybe you've lost a sense of identity. You're not even sure who you are anymore. Maybe you've lost a sense of joy, that as much as you've tried to be strong for your family, for your friends, for your kids, for your people at work, is that there's a part of you that doesn't really have much joy in life anymore. Maybe something's happened to you that's been unexpected, that you didn't expect and you didn't hope for, and as a result, your faith has taken a hit. And you're kind of like trying to pick up the pieces of all that you know, if maybe you lost someone you love in the past couple years, and now it's kind of like your life is never the same, and you're kind of like, what does my life look like now? See, how do you pick up the pieces of your life and find your life again when you feel like you've lost a big part of it? That's what we're talking about in this series called Find Your Life Again. And the biggest key we're talking about in this series is that if you want to find your life again, it's not just about luck. It's not just about working really hard, but it's about experiencing Jesus Christ. It's because Jesus Christ is the life. I don't know if you know this, but in the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John, Jesus makes some crazy statements about himself. You know that? He'll say stuff like, I am the bread of life. That's John chapter 6. I'm the bread of life. What does it even mean? He says stuff like, you know, I am the light of the world. That's John chapter 8. What does that mean? I'm the light of the world. You know, he says in just a minute, we're going to see he's going to connect himself to water. Say, I have living water. So he's got bread, he's got water, he's got light, these basic things that give us life. And why does Jesus do that? It's because he's got a very important lesson for you to know today which is that if you want to find your life again, if you want to have life, it's not just enough to have water and bread and light. You need Jesus because Jesus is the life. And in this series called Find Your Life Again, it's about discovering and in some cases rediscovering who Jesus is. And we're doing so through one of the most powerful, most famous, most beloved books ever written. It's called the Gospel of John. And what we're doing is we're doing, going through the Gospel of John every Sunday here at Thrive, but not just on Sundays. In fact, every day we're going through the Gospel of John. We're kind of walking through the Gospel of John together as a church. It's kind of fun to do it that way. And if you want to get in on that, you can go to mythrive.info and press the button that says Pastor JB's Game Time Sharing. You can subscribe for that. And then every morning, we're going to send you a little email. It's got a little passage from the gospel of john that you can read and then if you're not really sure what to learn from it i've got some thoughts for you on that passage that will hopefully encourage you on that particular day as we walk through the gospel of john together are you guys ready for the message today here we go see talking about find your life again talking about all this stuff here let me begin with a little story uh do you guys have a bedtime routine Something that you guys do before you go to bed, or maybe a series of things that you do before you go to bed. Of course, you do. I do as well. Let me tell you about my younger son, Caleb. Younger, my, my younger son Caleb is about four years old, and he has a bedtime routine. What happens is every night before he goes to bed, Caleb will brush his teeth by himself. And then we'll put him in his crib. And then we will say a prayer with him. The prayer goes a little bit like this Dear Jesus, thank you that Caleb is happy, healthy, wise, strong, loving, obedient to God, obedient to his parents, and brave. In Jesus' name we pray. And then Caleb says, Amen. And then, I'll, he'll, and then we'll give him a little bedtime story, something we'll just kind of make up on the spot. And then after all of that, there are two requests that he will always make before he goes to bed. The first request is he always say daddy mommy hug and kiss and so we'll go up to him we'll give him a hug and a kiss sometimes he'll add a third one say daddy mommy hug and kiss and massage (laughs) and he'll lie down we'll give him a massage okay sure great but then there's one more final request that he always ends with which is he'll get up once again he'll say daddy i need water and so um, I need water. And so you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll say, okay, fine. So I'll go downstairs to the kitchen. I'll grab his little Paw Patrol water bottle. I'll fill it with some water. I'll give it to him. He'll slurp on it. He'll give it back to me. I'll say, oh, good night, Caleb. I love you. Good night. Have a good rest, he'll say. And I'll close the door and he'll go to sleep at some point, maybe an hour or two or 30 minutes later. I don't know. And see, that's his bedtime routine. Now, why am I telling you a story of how Caleb would ask me for water that he can't get himself? It's because in John chapter 7 today, We're looking at a passage where Jesus offers water that we can't get ourselves. See, we're really fortunate to live in a place like Vancouver. We've got lots of rivers. We've got an ocean at our doorstep. We've got plenty of rain. Some people think too much rain, though it's actually a blessing to have rain. But the water that Jesus is going to talk about in John chapter 7 isn't the kind of water that you're used to drinking. It's not the kind of water that you're used to bathing in or washing with. The kind of water that Jesus is going to offer, he calls it living water. What is living water? What is this living water that Jesus offers? We're going to talk about that today. See, throughout the Gospel of John, he's going to talk about how there's this living water that Jesus makes possible that no one else for some reason can give. And here's, let's just go right into it right now. John chapter 7, verse 37. If you have it in your Bibles, would you read it with me? In a big, loud voice, 1-2-3, it says, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So you're talking about living water today. The message title for today, in case you're taking notes and I encourage you to do so, is how to experience living water. We're going to talk about what is this living water that Jesus offers, and how do you experience it? Maybe you've grown up in church, and you're so used to hearing that term, living water, living water. You assume you know what it means. I'm hoping today that today's message is going to challenge you on your understanding of what exactly this living water is. Let's look at verse 37 together right now. What does it say? It says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me And drink. See, if you want to fully understand what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 7, verse 37, you need to understand something that happened approximately, roughly 1,500 years before Jesus said these words. See, 1,500 years before Jesus said these words, there's a guy called Moses. Everyone say Moses. And Moses, he is leading the Israelites out of Egypt where they're slaves, heading for this land that they believe God has promised them. They call it the Promised Land. And from Egypt to the Promised Land, they are walking, traveling through this desert, this wilderness where they need to set up and then tear down their tents all up every day. That's what they would do. And see, it's kind of like our church you set up. You tear down, you move to the next place. So they wouldn't stay in any one place for that long, and they would live in these tents. Not only did they live in tents, but they even set up in the center of the camp this huge tent that they called the tent of God, or the tabernacle of God. And it was this way to represent how God is in their midst, this idea that just reminded them that as they're going through this journey through the desert, that they are not alone, that God is with them. But keep this in mind: they're in the desert. And it's hot, it's dry, it's uncomfortable, it's a bit monotonous, it's not that exciting. The scenery, after a while, it's just kind of getting a little boring. Maybe you feel like you're in a desert right now. Is that, of course, it's raining outside, but in your heart, in your mind, in your life right now, it feels like a desert. It feels Things feel kind of dry feel, uh, things feel a little boring, things feel uncomfortable, things don't feel very fulfilling, not very exciting, you're not really sure why you're getting up every morning. And see, here's the thing, how many, when you're living in a desert, water is basically life. You have water, you got life. You don't got water, you're gonna die when you're in a desert. And see, that's what was, you know, what the, the Israelites were really concerned about. They're going through this desert, this wilderness. And they are feeling the thirst. And they cry out to Moses going, we are dying of thirst. They're grumbling toward Moses. And so Moses, he looks to God and go, God, what are you supposed to do? And God says to Moses, here's what you do. Take that staff and strike the rock. Strike that rock that's in front of you. And, then so, and, so, and so Moses, he strikes the rock and then the water gushes out of this rock. The rock breaks open and gushes out water that feeds the people, refreshes the people and brings them back to life again. It's one of the most important, most famous moments in the history of Israel. But let me tell you this, that that moment where Moses strikes the rock and water gushes out to feed the people, that's not just a, a history moment for the people of Israel. It's also a picture pointing to the future because 1,500 years after this would take place, there's another rock that would appear, his name is Jesus. And see, Jesus is described in the Bible as the greatest rock of all. He's called the living stone. He's called the cornerstone. He's called the capstone. He's called the rock of anybody else. Jesus is the rock. And the Bible says that when people were dying of thirst, Moses would strike this rock. Not Moses the man, not Moses the individual, but the Mo- Moses the law. Moses wrote down a law and that law was called the law of Moses. And Jesus, in his time on earth, he would die under the law of Moses. He would die not for his sins, but our sins. He would die under the law of Moses. And because the law strikes this rock called Jesus, as a result, water would gush out to feed and refresh and bring back to life the people who receive it. If you believe it, say, believe that, say Amen. And so that's what's going on. That's a picture pointing forward to what Jesus is gonna do. And here in John chapter seven, Jesus is officially announcing that this water, this living water is coming. And he's already hinted it in different ways. He's talking to this woman at a well in Samaria. And he's like, yeah, if you really knew who I was, you'd ask me for the gift of a drink and I would give you living water. He's kind of hinted at it in little private conversations. But now Jesus is going public with the invitation. So he goes to Jerusalem and he's going to go public with this offer of living water and he's going to do it at the biggest holiday, the biggest festival, the biggest feast of the Jewish calendar. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, if you don't know what the Feast of Tabernacles is, let me just explain real quick. There were basically three feasts that the Jewish people would celebrate where they would leave their towns and go to Jerusalem just for these three feasts. There was Passover, there was Pentecost, And there was the Feast of Tabernacles. But the Feast of Tabernacles, it was the biggest feast. It was the biggest feast. It was the feast. And it lasted seven whole days with a special closing ceremony on the eighth day, kind of like the Olympics. And it was celebrated right after the fall harvest. And so they're gathering their crops, they're gathering their crops, and then they all assemble in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, usually around October or so. And see, this Feast of Tabernacles had a lot of different purposes. One was to thank God. It was to say, okay, God, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for what you've provided. We pray for your blessing over this coming year. That's one thing, is to thank God. The second one is it was a chance to remember. Because the fact is, in the book of Leviticus, God would command the Israelites to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And he would ask them to do something very, very strange. He would say, I want you for seven days to live in tents, live in booths, live in these tabernacles. And it was not just a way to have fun, but it was also a way to remember what their ancestors had gone through as they were walking through the wilderness, how they lived in these tents before reaching their promised land. So if you were in Jerusalem, first century AD, you'd walk into Jerusalem and it's like a a tent city. It's like tents all over. It's like going to the night markets. There's a booth after booth after booth after booth. After. It's like it's all over. And, you know, it's like this family camping trip, except there's a lot of people. It's like a whole nation that's congregated in Jerusalem to do this. It's like this huge tailgating party if you're a football fan. And so for kids, I could imagine it being a lot of fun. Oh, yay, Feast of Tabernacles. If I'm a parent, I'd be, I'd, I'd be a little stressed. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of people here. And see, here's the thing. It was more than one huge party. It was more than one huge camping trip. The Feast of Tabernacles was also an opportunity to be spiritually renewed. So what people would do is, when they're not hanging out in their tents, not playing their games, they would go to the temple in Jerusalem. They'd offer sacrifices. And they'd also sit in the temple courts listening to rabbis or teachers teaching the word. It was kind of like a big church conference. It was about you know being renewed spiritually. And see, the fact that God... Will command the Israelites to celebrate the Feast of Tab- Tabernacles year after year, tells you a few lessons about who God is. The first is this God loves a party. Is that for God, life is not just about work, work, and more work. God wants you and me to take time to pause, to rest, to celebrate, to have fun again, and to be renewed physically, relationally, spiritually. If you believe that, say amen. Maybe that's why you're even here. I want to be refreshed. And see, if you're always working, work, 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 you're never pausing to rest, God would say there's a better way to live. I love that about God. God is not a workaholic and you don't need to be as well. That's the first thing, first lesson we can learn about who God is from the Feast of Tabernacles. A second lesson we can learn from the Feast of Tabernacles is that God wants us to remember his goodness in our lives. He wants us to remember what he has done. Just to say thank God for the harvest, we want to have an attitude of gratitude. Because how many you know that when you're going through a tough time, one of the best things you can do for yourself to keep you afloat is to thank God for his goodness, is to focus on the good things that you have because it'll keep you afloat when your circumstances make you want to sink. If you believe that, say amen. Another one is this, another lesson for about who God is from the Feast of Tabernacles is that by living in tents, God wanted us and them to remember that we are pilgrims who are passing through, is that life is short, and our lives on earth are only so long, and so we don't want to put our stock, our hope, our eggs all in this one basket called our lives on earth, because there's more to this life than that, so don't get too comfortable. See, there was one more tradition in the Feast of Tabernacles that you need to know about if you want to understand what Jesus is saying. See, Every day during the Feast of Tabernacles, over seven days, there was a water-pouring ceremony. And what would happen is this. is that In Jerusalem, there was this pool called the Pool of Siloam. And water would go into this pool through this living spring called the Spring of Gehan. And the Spring of Gehan, which basically supplied most of the water to all Jerusalem, would supply water to this pool. The priests, they would go to this pool called the Pool of Siloam with these golden water pitchers called flagons. And they'd go into the pool, they would dip the water pitcher into the pool, they'd take out a bunch of what they would call living water, because it's coming from this living spring, and they'd take this living water, this pitcher, and they'd take it back up the stairs. If you were a priest back then, during the Feast of Tabernacles, no need to go to the gym, because... You're going up all these stairs, and it's a climb. You're going up, up, up. Oh, my goodness, my thighs, my quads. Oh, my goodness. And so they keep on going until they get to the top of the temple. And at the top of the temple, the high priest will lead all the priests who are carrying their water pitchers, their flagons, and they're going around the altar. They're walking around the altar. Some scholars think that they were actually reciting scripture as they do it. You know, Isaiah 12 talked about, you will dwell, you will draw water from the wells of salvation with joy. They're kind of doing that. They're going around the altar. When they go around the altar, finally, they pour out the water. They pour out the water until it overflows from the altar. They would do that every single day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And on the seventh day, they do it seven times. Now, what was the point behind all that? Well, it was to look back as well as to look forward. To pour the water that way was a reminder of how God had provided water for their ancestors back when they were in the wilderness, how they got water from a rock. But it was also a look forward. It was looking forward to the promise written in places like Joel and other prophets of the Old Testament which say one day God's gonna pour out his spirit like water, like rain on the people. And see, it's against this backdrop called the Feast of Tabernacles, that Jesus stands on the last and greatest day of this feast and says to this huge, massive crowd, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. And see, what is Jesus saying? Jesus saying, guess what? I am the fulfillment of everything that you're celebrating and everything that you're remembering and everything that you're anticipating at this feast of tabernacles. You guys, you're celebrating how God provided water for your ancestors. Guess what? You're looking at him. He's saying, you what, you're remembering how you guys lived in these tents and how God lived in a tent too among you. Guess what? You're not just remembering something that happened in the past. You're living that in the present because here I am in this earthly tent called my body and here I am with you. That's why John chapter one says about Jesus. So the word became flesh and tabernacled, dwelt among us. And then you say, you're anticipating this day when God's gonna pour out his spirit on all of you? Guess what? I'm the one who's gonna make that happen if you believe in me. I'm the fulfillment of all that you're celebrating at the Feast of Tabernacles. And see, verse 38, read it with me in a big loud voice. It says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. See, what is Jesus saying? See, Jesus is saying, Rivers of living water are going to flow from within you if you believe in him. What does that mean exactly? You know, we, we had you know, one of our boys was sick the other day, throwing up water. Could, could it be something where it's just, you're just throwing up water all the time? That's, that's the rivers of living water coming out of you? Like it, it, that, That's kind of weird. I don't know if that's what something I would want. What exactly... Does Jesus mean by rivers of living water flowing from within you? Well, it means three things that we're getting to today. Number one, to have rivers of living water flowing from within you means you have a powerful resource from God to help you in your troubled times. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the, it's the idea that you know, having rivers of living water in your life flowing within you doesn't mean that from now on, because you believe in Jesus, everything's always going to be happy you know, 24-7 joy, always good. I'm happy, happy, joy, joy. I've got peace like a river. I go. And everything's always good. You never go through depression. You never go through pain. You never go through financial difficulties. You never go through anything bad. It's all good. It's all happy, happy, joy, joy. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. When Jesus says that rivers of living water are going to flow from one to it means that when you go through your troubled times, When you go through depression, when you experience frustration, when you battle doubt, when you're going through your toughest times, you have a resource to help you. His name is the Holy Spirit. Verse 38 says it this way. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, verse 39, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. See, let's stop right there. See, what is Jesus saying? He's saying that if you believe in me, you will have access to the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? See, the Holy Spirit is God. He is the spirit of God. God by nature is spirit. That's why you can't see him, but he's there. He is spirit. And the Bible says that when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You believe he rose again. You believe he is alive today. Then the Bible says that God gives you his spirit. That doesn't mean that you're God, or that you are a God, but it means that you have somehow mysteriously God's presence in your life, that you've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you such that your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now we go into a lot more detail about this in something called Thrive Discipleship School, Level 2, Growing Your Relationship with God. We talk a lot about who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does. If you've never taken that before and you don't really have much of an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, I urge you to take this class because as a follower of Jesus, you absolutely need to know who the Holy Spirit is. Maybe you've grown up in church and you, you never talked about the Holy Spirit. You absolutely need to know who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And in TDS Two, we talk about seven things that the Holy Spirit does in your life? Today, let's talk about one. The one thing we'll talk about today is the Holy Spirit is here to help us in our weakness. Do you know that the Holy Spirit has a lot of different names? He's called the Spirit of Truth. He's called the Counselor. There's another name for him, and it's in kind of older translations. He's called the Helper. And see, in fact, I don't know if you know this, but the same word that's used to describe the Holy Spirit as helper is the same word that Genesis uses talking about how woman was supposed to help the man. Adam was supposed to have a helper called Eve. Same word. And so, and here's the thing: is that where we have the Holy Spirit, who's our helper, who helps us in our weakness. John chapter 14, 16. Would you help me preach in this place and read this verse with me? One, two, three. It says, "And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper." to be with you forever. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Look at Romans 8, 26. Read that one. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Can you remember the first time you ever sensed the Holy Spirit in your life? For some of you, oh, I've never experienced the Holy Spirit. Ah, I don't know about that. Maybe you just don't recognize that it was the Holy Spirit, but it was the Holy Spirit. For example, your decision to come to church today That's a Holy Spirit thing. Your decision to open up your heart to God whenever you have, if it was the first time or just recently or just today, that's a Holy Spirit thing. You know, when you decide to reach out to someone and and love them even though you're tired, that's a Holy Spirit thing when you decide to do the right thing, even though you attempt to do the wrong thing, that's the Holy Spirit thing. Sometimes we're so into our lives and tired of what we do that we forget that actually it's not just me. Don't give yourself too much credit. The fact is every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so it's actually the Holy Spirit who's working with you every single day. The question is, do you recognize it? I remember the, the first time that I sensed the Holy Spirit, I was 14 years old. I'd grown up in church and I'd grown up always thinking that this is my parents' faith not my faith. If you ever talked to JB at 14 years old, he would drop dead if he realized he was going to be a pastor one day. Because he's just like, what? Because it was just my parents' faith, didn't really believe in this stuff. I just went to church. But there was one Friday night when we're in this youth group, and I'm one of the youngest ones there. And I'm there, and I've got my kind of bowl cut, and I'm in grade eight, and I'm seeing these older teens just worshiping Jesus with song and prayers. And I can tell you this, I played a lot of video games before, I'd gone a lot of vacations before, I'd eaten a lot of good food, but nothing quite compared to the peace that I felt on that day. And I didn't know what that was, but looking back, I realized that was the Holy Spirit. And see, here's the thing, maybe without you even realizing it, the Holy Spirit has been working in your life long before you even knew. And see, the Holy Spirit is not just there to be there for no reason, but he's here to help you to help you in your weakness, to make the presence of God real in your life. And so, for example, I remember just, you know, just you know, a few years ago, not that, that long, no, not, that, not a few years, maybe, you know, but 14, 15 years now, that we're in Taiwan. My wife and I, Pastor Char and I, we're living in Taiwan, and we're getting ready to move to Vancouver because you know, we've been commissioned by our church in Taiwan to, to start Thrive Church here in Vancouver. And I remember I was freaking out because I said yes to this calling, and yet I just realized, man, that means I have to preach every single week. Oh, my goodness. And I would preached a couple messages before in front of people, but I'd never really preached anything you know, on an extended period. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Where am I going to come up with messages? Like, what am, what am I even going to talk about? I don't really have much to say. And I remember I was walking down downtown Taipei on Bei Lu. It's, it's, it's Tongshan North Road. And I'm walking on this big sidewalk and I sense the Holy Spirit, the same peace that I had at 14 years old. At 29 years old, I sense this peace and this voice saying to me on, the, on that particular day, JB, you never have to worry about what you have to preach on a Sunday. You never have to worry. You know, I can tell you this. I can live a kind of a stressful, busy life sometimes. Sometimes on, on our going up and getting ready for Sundays is a little stressful. It's like there's quite a lot of stuff going on. And for me, what helps me not to worry about what's going to happen, what helps me not to worry that I'm going to somehow fall through the crack, is that somehow I believe that promise that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. You never have to worry. And guess what? I've never had to worry. He's always given me a message. I don't know if you feel that, but I certainly feel that. And it's one of those things where I feel like every week I experience a little miracle in my life because Jesus is faithful to his promise. Amen? And see, that's the thing about the Holy Spirit, is that he's to help you in your weakness. Without the Holy Spirit, I don't think I'd have anything to say to you guys. I'd be like, nice weather, right? Okay, I'll see you guys later. But with the Holy Spirit, it's like there's something there. He's there to help you in your weakness. Let me tell you this. The Christian life without the Holy Spirit isn't just hard. It's impossible. You can't live the life God wants you to live without the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's why he gives it to you. When Jesus says, rivers of living water are gonna flow from within you, he's talking about the help that the Holy Spirit brings. Turn neighbor and say, I'm so glad I got help. I'm so glad I got help. And see, maybe you're here today and you could use some help Maybe you're trying to make a decision right now and you're really not sure what to do. Maybe things are really stressful right now and you're just burning out. You feel like there's no hope for you right now. Can I tell you this? One of the best, I would say the best thing that you can do is to go to God and ask his Holy Spirit for help and say, Holy Spirit, what do you think of the situation? What do you want me to do in this situation? Spend time in his presence. And I think you're gonna find this. The peace of God is gonna come. The wisdom of God is going to come. Romans 15, 13 says it this way, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God that because of the Holy Spirit, we have hope. Another one, Galatians 5, 23. In case you're a little scared of the Holy Spirit, because you're new to all of this, you're like, well, Holy Spirit, that just sounds so weird, scary. Guess what? If you're unfamiliar with the kind of work that Holy Spirit does, this is the kind of so work that the holy spirit does verse 22 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self control and so if you could use any one of those today love joy Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in your life. If you use healing, if you use comfort, if you use wisdom, if you use guidance, if you use hope, then guess what? You need to experience the Holy Spirit because with the Holy Spirit are all those things. Amen. And if you're here, kind of, how do I experience it? We're going to talk about that at the end of this message. But let me tell you the second layer of meaning when Jesus says, that rivers of living water will flow from within you. And here it is, number two, to have rivers of living water flowing from within you, it means you have eternal life with Jesus in heaven. See, the living water that Jesus offers isn't just help for today, it's help for eternity. It's more than just what he does to help me with my career or my marriage or my family or my health right now. It's about how he made it possible for us to be with him in heaven forever. And see, contrary to a lot of popular belief, having eternity with God is not a given. It's not something that is your right, your entitlement, as if, you know what, you just deserve to go to heaven because you're such a good person. No, if that's what you think, and that's what a lot of social media preaches, that's a lot of what mainstream media preaches, that, oh, yeah, he was such a good person. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, he's in heaven right now. Oh, yeah, he's in a better place. Just because they breathe and live, oh, yeah, they should be in heaven right now. The Bible doesn't do it that way. The Bible says that all of us, we are separated from God who is holy who is no sin in him. But what for us who sin and sin is us rejecting God, God, forget you, to hell with what you think. I do things my way. And in addition to hurting others in the process, when we sin that way, we actually separate ourselves from God. Infinite gap between us and God. Can't reach it on our own anymore. The wage of sin is death. In other words, we can't reach God who is life. We're stuck with death, not just now, but forever. That's the predicament we're in, whether you believe that or not. And see, God loved you so much that he didn't want you to be stuck in this place where you're forever banished from God, forever banished from an eternity with him in heaven. So what did he do? He sent Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus Christ to die the death that you and I were supposed to die, to pay for your sins on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven, so that our debt could be paid, so that we would have a bridge back to God when we couldn't reach him on our own. And not only did Jesus die, not only was he buried, but he rose again as well to show that he's no ordinary man, but he is who he claims to be. He is the son of God, amen. And when you place your trust in Jesus, the Bible says you have not just the Holy Spirit in you for now, you have eternal life. And I'm so glad about that. You know, verse 39, it says this. It says, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit hadn't been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. I know it's not on the screen, but if you would underline those last words, since Jesus had not yet been glorified, what does that mean? Jesus has not yet been glorified. See, The glorification of Jesus is this. It's his death, it's his burial, it's his resurrection, it's his ascension. That's the glory of Jesus. And guess what? In order for you to have the Holy Spirit in your life, in order for you to have eternal life, living waters flowing from within you, it wasn't just a given like, oh, that's that's easy, I'll give that to you. No, Jesus paid the highest price so that you could have those living waters. And what he did is he died. He was on the cross, he died, he was buried, he rose again, he ascended, he did all those things, he was glorified so that God could give us and pour out his Holy Spirit on us the way he always intended. It's because sin and holiness can't coexist. But when you receive Jesus, guess what? Your sins are forgiven, you have the hope of the Holy Spirit, which is eternal life in you, it's living water. Or just a few days ago, I had a friend who lost his dad. Um, it was a heartbreaking thing. It was kind of expected, but still, when that stuff hits you, you never be fully prepared for it. And he was just saying to me, I was in his cubicle in his office, and I was like, how are you doing, man? And he's like, you know what, this is tough. But I can say this, I'm so glad my dad knew Jesus. Because you know, he, you know, he and his mom and his dad received Jesus you know, years before that. And he said, you know, I don't know how we'd go through this time without the hope of heaven. I don't know how we go through this time if we didn't know where he was now. And so the fact is this, so many people don't have that hope. They, they think, okay, yeah, maybe that person's in a better place, but they don't really know. I remember even Pastor Shar, when we first got married, she'd never been to a Christian funeral before because she grew up in a family where you know, she was like, her, her mom and her were basically the only Christians in the family. And so they went to a lot of funerals where it was terrifying, where there was this hopelessness. That beset everyone when they go to this funeral. It's like we don't know who where this person is. You know, monks, would you pray, please, please? We don't know who where he is, and there was this terror that would happen. You know, that like, and it's this thing where you have no hope. After you die. And see, I remember we were supposed to go to our very first funeral together as a couple, which is not something you really hope for or plan for. But we went to this funeral. It was my grandma's funeral. My grandma's a Christian. And my my, my wife, Pastor Shara, was at first a little scared to go because she's like, I don't want to go to another one of these terrifying things, like another funeral. But we went, and she was amazed at the peace that was in that funeral. She was amazed at how, man, of course it's hard. Of course it's painful. Of course there's grief but there's a hope. There's a hope that there's something beyond this. There's a hope that that person that you're saying goodbye to, you're only saying goodbye to for now because you're gonna get to see them later. It's the hope of eternal life. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1 says this. It says, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. When this tabernacle that you and I live in, one day it's gonna be taken down, that's not the end. When you have Jesus, you don't leave home, you go home. And that's the hope that we have when we have Jesus. It's the rivers of living water welling up to eternal life. Number three, the third meaning of having rivers of living water flowing from within you, here it is. It means you have a relationship with God that satisfies your thirst in ways that the world can't satisfy. Has this ever happened to you before? is that you're thirsty, you feel like drinking someone, something, but you don't feel like drinking water. So you get a pop, you get a Coke, you get a bubble tea, you drink some coffee, and you're that much thirstier? Has that happened to you before? Oh, man, that's happened to me before, where you know, I, I think this is going to satisfy me. I'm just like, ah, ah, I need to drink something. I, and, and so finally, I'll go to the water. And see, and the water quenches my thirst in a way that nothing else can. You know what? Ecclesiastes 3.11, the Old Testament says that God has put a thirst in us that nothing else can quench except for him. The reason why you think about God, the reason why you think about eternity, the reason why you're spiritual isn't because just that's just how you are. That's a part of our evolution. No, it's because God made you that way. He put eternity in your heart. You have a thirst for eternity that can't be satisfied by video games or porn or good food or traveling a lot or getting married or having a nice house or having a fat bank account. Those things are not going to satisfy the thirst that you have because this is a God-sized thirst that only God can fill. And maybe the reason why you're having such a tough time finding your life again these days is because you'd think that if only I was with that girl. Or if only I was with that person, or if only I got a promotion, if only I was working at that company, if only I could just move from this place and go somewhere else, then I would be happy. Can I tell you this? You're trying to fill a God sized hole with something that's not God sized. You have a thirst that only God can quench. Jesus says, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. And when you believe in Jesus, you've got something to quench the thirst inside of you. I love watching good movies. I love listening to good music. I love going on vacation and traveling. I love eating good food. I love spending time with the family. I love exercising, the gym. I love all those things. I love life. And the thing is this, I can also say nothing replaces the presence of God in our lives. Nothing can. I don't care who you are, how rich you are, how many followers on Instagram you got. I don't care who you are. The fact is we need God to satisfy a thirst that nothing else can. And when you come before God honestly, humbly, consciously, intentionally, the the amazing thing is he doesn't push you away, but he gives you a little bit of his presence. So you weren't made just to know about the Holy Spirit, but you were made to draw near to God, to know him and experience the Holy Spirit. What's the biggest key to experiencing the living water that we're talking about today? It's not, oh, you have to go to church a long, long time. You ought to read the Bible backwards and forwards. Because let me tell you what the biggest key is. Whether you're a brand new Christian or you're here and you're just exploring, you're just kind of curious about this Bible stuff. You're kind of curious about Jesus. If If that's you, so thrilled that you're here. Make yourself right at home. We're so glad you're here. Hope this is a safe place for you. Maybe you're here and you've been to church all your life. Can I tell you the same key to experiencing Jesus's living water? It applies to all of us, which is come to Jesus with a heart wanting to receive, wanting to receive what Jesus offers, believing that Jesus has something to offer to you, staying near to Jesus while you wait for that. And see here at Thrive, we wanna give you opportunities to experience more of that living water, to experience more of God's Holy Spirit and the hope that we have in him. And see, here are two things that you can do. If you're wanting to be practical about this, you wanna take a next step on this one, you know, of course, coming to church is great, But we encourage you to do a couple more things because I think they're really going to help you. The first is TDS2, growing in your relationship with God. You don't need to have graduated from universities. You can be in high school and you can take this. You can be a grandma and you can take this. And it's about getting to know Jesus better, getting to know the Bible better, getting to know the Holy Spirit better. And not just about the Holy Spirit, but getting to know the Holy Spirit better. Some people who've given their feedback on TDS 2, one person said, My experience in TDS was great and unforgettable. This was my first time feeling the Holy Spirit, and I'm so excited. Someone else wrote, There's no reason not to take TDS 2. Regardless of your season in life, there is gold to be taken from these Bible-rooted lessons. Someone else wrote, they said, Through TDS 2, I've learned more about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. I feel that I'm growing deeper, I've grown a deeper relationship with God because of what I've learned from TDS. Someone else wrote, it takes commitment and dedication to finish TDS, but it's an experience you will not regret. Whether you've been a Christian for a long time or a new Christian, the lessons help you go back to the basics and the discussions guide you to reflect on your life as a Christian. One more person said, the online learning format is very easy to access. The learning experience was a pleasure. Interacting with my classmates was really easy, just like regular social media, leaving comments on the forum questions. As a busy mom of two children, I was pleased with this learning experience. I was able to manage my time through this learning process with TDS. Finally, one person, they, they, theirs was the shortest feedback at all, but it was, it, it's, I like it as well. It says, TDS was probably the second best decision I've ever made, second after getting baptized. Can we give God a big hand for that? That's very, very, very cool. We're not touting ourselves here, but we're trying to give you an opportunity to experience more of God's living water, his Holy Spirit. Here's, so sign up for TDS to go to mythought.info and do that. We're starting this Tuesday. Another thing that we're gonna do very, very soon, two weeks from now, May 29, which is a Sunday, here at LePont Place, 1.15 to 2.15 p.m. We're gonna have a prayer meeting. We call it Holy Spirit Prayer Meeting, but don't let that scare you because it's really simple what we do is that in our Holy Spirit Prayer Meeting, we sing, we pray, very similar to what we do here in our services. And we come to God with a hungry heart. We come to God with a heart wanting to receive what Jesus offers. And then we just ask for more of the Holy Spirit. And as simple as that is, it's amazing what God does when we come to Him with an open heart. And I want to encourage you, I want to invite you to be part of that two weeks from now this May 29th, Sunday afternoon, as we draw near to God together and experience more of his Holy Spirit. For some of you who've been taking TDS2 over the past couple years, it's all been online. You guys know that. And we've done our Holy Spirit prayer meeting online. And that's great. Praise God for Zoom. But the fact is that it's nothing like doing it in person. And we would love, for those of you who've done TDS2 in the past, but you never got to do it in person with us, come this May 29 and be part of that. We'd love to see you there. Maybe you're here and you're going to take TDS 2 This is part of TDS 2 Maybe you're here and you're not taking TDS 2 because scheduling stuff, that's all right. But you know what? I encourage you to come on May 29 as well and experience more of the Holy Spirit together because how many know we need more of the Holy Spirit? Amen? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you that somehow the work of the Holy Spirit in your life can all be contained in one hour or in a six-week course. It can't. You experience the Holy Spirit, it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong adventure. It's a relationship. But just like any relationship, when you spend time together, it makes a difference. When you're intentional, it makes a difference. And these are two opportunities for you to get intentional about your relationship with God. And that's what I'm really doing. Too. I'm inviting you on a date with the Holy Spirit. And so with that in mind, let's read our last verse for today. John seven thirty-seven. What does it say? It says, On the last and greatest day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried out. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. You know, something I noticed, I've, I've read this verse, I don't know how many times, but something that I've noticed about this verse is those two words we've underlined there. Jesus cried out. You know, sometimes we have this image of Jesus being always so incredibly calm, almost like monotone, like, blessed are the poor. And it's just like, he always talks with a whisper. But what does he do here? He cries out. He doesn't say it in a monotone. He doesn't say it passively, but he gets in a place where as many people as possible can hear him. And he says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. He's like, if anyone, is there anyone here? anyone who wants more to life than what you have, anyone who's just sick of just living and dying and getting through the day, sick of just like going to work and then going home and going to bed and doing the same thing over and over again, is anyone needing more? Is anyone needing a boost? Is anyone needing a drink? Is anyone needing more to life than this? If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. In other words, Jesus isn't apathetic or indifferent about you. See, he's a gentleman. He will not force himself on you, but don't let that for a second make you think that he doesn't care or that he's just okay if you just walk away and don't reach out for him. No, he loves you and he made you for more. That more is the living water that he offers. And so I wanna encourage you today is that we've got these couple opportunities coming up. TDS 2 sign up for that. You know, May 29, go to that. But even right now, I wanna encourage you today to come to Jesus with a heart that's wanting to receive what he offers. Because that's the biggest, most important key. We talk about other keys in TDS too, but that's the most important key to experiencing the living water that God has for you. Maybe you're here today, and the reason why you don't sense the Holy Spirit, despite going to church, despite going to church for maybe a long time, is because you've filled yourself up on other stuff that there's not really any room for the Holy Spirit anymore. Is that you, you fill yourself up on good things, or maybe not so good things, but they're not the best thing. And as a result, it's like, you're just so full on this other stuff that there's no room anymore for the best stuff. You know, my wife, Pastor Shar, she's really health conscious. And uh, I don't do all the stuff that she does, but there's one thing I'm trying to do, she wants me to get more fiber. She's like, you need more fiber, Pastor JB. eat more fiber. And so she's got this fiber powder that she gets me to drink every day. And at first I would just eat my stuff, I'd eat my McDonald's, I'd eat my stuff, and I'd be like, oh, sorry, I've got no more room for fiber sorry, sorry, baby, sorry, no more room. And, and then after a while, I was like, she didn't tell me to do this. She wasn't like, JB, no, she wasn't like that. She just kind of let me be. But at some point it kicked into me that if this stuff is really good for me, if this stuff is really what I need more than those other things, which are also good in their own way, but not the best thing, then maybe I need to go for the best thing first. And so what I do nowadays, I take my fiber first and then I go to McDonald's <laughs> or something like that. But why do I mention that to you? It's because maybe the reason why you are filled up and yet you don't feel joyful, you are stuffed and yet you don't feel like there's life in you, is because you've been filling up on the wrong things. You've been filling up on stuff that doesn't help you, it only hurts you. Or it's just good things but it's not the best thing. I'm gonna encourage you today, make this coming season of your life when you say, I'm gonna fill up on the best thing, it's living water from Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. Don't be indifferent because Jesus isn't indifferent to you. Just as Jesus cried out for you, I hope you'll cry out for Jesus. I hope you'll cry out for more of his Holy Spirit because maybe, just maybe, that is the exact thing that you need. You're, maybe you feel like this empty pitcher right now. Everything is so dry. It's like there's nothing in there. You're scraping the bottom of the barrel every single day because there's just no strength. There's no hope. There's no passion. There's no joy anymore. It's time to get filled up again. It's time to go to that pool and fill up again. It's time to go to the fountain. His name is Jesus. Oh, come on, if you believe that, give Jesus a big hand in this place together right now. Amen. Would you stand in this place together right now? Let me tell you something today, is that if you believe in Jesus, you always have a river. The question is, are you accessing that river? The question is, how much of the river do you want? The question is, are you making time for the river? Are you getting into the river? Are you drinking from the river? Are you getting near the river? When was the last time you got to the river? You got near God and said, God, I need you. And I cry out for more of you. I don't wanna do this on my own. I need you today. If that's you, then I wanna encourage you to find your life again by going to the fountain. His name is Jesus. If you believe that, give the Holy Spirit a big hand, big shout, let's play together right now. Hey, every head bowed and every eye closed on site, online, look at your chat room. If they're here and you realize today that you need forgiveness from God for sin and if you were to be honest with yourself, you don't think you've got that living water that Jesus talks about. You don't have the hope of eternal life where you're going to go after you die. You don't have that helper in your life that Holy Spirit to be there to help you in your times of trouble, that you you don't, you don't have that, you don't have the assurance that your sins are forgiven, then I want to give this moment to you right now because it's an important one. If you realize you need forgiveness from God for sin, if you've walked away from God and you realize that you need his forgiveness, then it's free because it's paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. I want to encourage you right now, if you're here on site with your head bowed, it's not about your neighbor, so don't worry about them. I want you to lift your hand to God right now. I want you to lift your hand as an expression of your need for God. Just you come to God humbly, honestly, just saying, God, I need you. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand high, just to let the height of your hands be you just reflecting, just God, I need you in my life. This is how much I need you. And, and you know, as you're lifting up your hand, one of our ushers, they might come to you with a card with a prayer on it that we're to pray in just a second. It's a prayer that I think you can use to ask Jesus for forgiveness. Those who are here and you're watching online, I want you to press the link that's in your chat room right now. It'll take you the same prayer. And we're going to pray this together as a way to say, Jesus, we want your living water. Jesus, I need your living water. I want your forgiveness. I want your peace. I want a relationship with you. And so if that's you and you need that, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Whether you have a card or a prayer page in front of you or not, you can pray this prayer with us right now. Let's all pray it in support of those praying for the first time. We're going to say, dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust, not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you give God some praise? Let's play together right now, amen. If you prayed that prayer just now, and you meant that from your heart, then the Bible says you are forgiven of your sins, you're a child of God, you're a citizen of heaven, you got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, and the best is yet to come. And so with that in mind, some things we wanna do with you. Number one, a gift we wanna give to you. Congratulate you on this Thing that's happened to you today. You can go to the Welcome Center if you're here on site. Gift to gift to you. Just take that prayer card or just let the Welcome Center know, I prayed that prayer. We're going to give you that gift. You'll love it. Next one, if you're online and you prayed that prayer, go to the bottom of that page that you prayed that prayer on. Click the link. It's going to give you a gift that we'd love to send to you. On top of that, everyone who prayed that prayer just now, we encourage you to keep on coming to church because every baby needs a family to grow up in. We'd love to be your spiritual family here at Thrive. On top of that, we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation you wait for when you're Dead. It's when you you say, God, I want to begin this relationship with you. That's what baptism is. It's a beginning. And so, with that in mind, you go to newmichiganfive.info, press the baptism button. That you uh, that will give you more information on what baptism is all about. Praise God. Let's thank God for a great morning together.
1: Hi, welcome to Thrive Church. My name is Christine, and I hope you had a fantastic time today here at Thrive. Before we end up, let's jump into some announcements and take a look at what's coming up here at Thrive. If this is your first time joining us, we're so excited that you're here with us today. We wanna show you how much we appreciate you being here today by giving you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle. Simply scan the QR code at the back of your seat or visit mythrive.info and click new to Thrive to fill out the connect card. If you joined us online, we'll mail you the gift as soon as possible. And if you're here with us today at LePont Place, please drop by the Welcome Center by the exit door after the service to pick up your gift. Once again, thanks so much for worshiping with us today. For those of you looking for ways to grow in your relationship with God, TDS Level 2 is the right course for you. In the six-week online course starting this coming Tuesday, May 17th, you'll get to learn several keys to spiritual growth and how to be able to experience these keys at work, in your life. To sign up, please visit mythrive.info. Another way to experience God at work in your life is to join us at our Holy Spirit prayer meeting happening on Sunday, May 29th after the 11:30 a.m. Sunday service. This is our first ever in-person prayer meeting this year. Uh, it's going to be so much fun, so I'll see you all there. Last but not least, our next baby and child dedication is happening next month on Sunday, June 12th. If you're interested to sign up, please visit mythrive.info. All right. So that concludes our announcement today. If you believe in the mission of Thrive and would like to contribute towards it, I highly encourage you to head on over to mythrive.info and click online giving. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of the week. I'll see you all next week online and on site at LePont Place. Bye!